Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, we have a guest, a guest host. Her name is Brenda Wilson. Brenda, thanks for coming alongside. Thank you for having me, Jim. We are so excited to have Brenda with us as we continue our series called Jesus Be. What do you want to do when you grow up? Or maybe you're already grown up. How are you looking back in your life and what are you looking forward to? We're talking about the best model for living that the world has ever known. Brenda Wilson is a friend. She's my friend, a friend of our family, and she has known my wife and I and our kids, well, for almost a quarter century. That's hard to believe, young as you are. (laughs) But Thank uh, you. I came from my side of the world in Seattle and moved about Mm -hmm. 24 years ago here to central Indiana, where Brenda then was living as she is now, and so are we. And Brenda was the first person that called us up when she heard that we were moving here, and we didn't even know Brenda, but... You thought I was a crazy lady. I thought you were just out there, (laughs) but I could tell from the first moment, this gal is fun and smart, and she gets it. She understands what it's like to go through a big change, moving from the West Coast to the heart of the country and so on, because she had come to Indiana from... Where? Charlevoix, Michigan. Charlevoix, Michigan. You may not have thought of it as one of the most beautiful garden spots on the planet, but that's because you haven't been there. Isn't that right? That's exactly right. Because it's Charlevoix a- the beautiful, Charlevoix. And yes. that's, that's the original French term? French, yep. French and fur traders from Canada. West there. coast of Michigan on Lake Michigan. It really is a beautiful place. And uh, Brenda, what do you do professionally? I work for a not-for-profit research, assessment, and professional development organization. That specializes in like public education and private schools or all, kid testing, everything? All of the above. Mm-hmm. Uh, computer adaptive testing and school improvement models. And I know that you travel all over the country helping school districts and uh, school programs learn how to assess and empower students and teachers. Is that right? That's exactly right. We tell the teachers and the students where to begin instruction. And the students um, are empowered to take responsibility for their own learning. And so in that professional niche, and I know you were an educator before that, you were teaching in school, Mm -hmm. your life, your adult life has been often framed by this investment in educational process, helping people discover who they are and to maximize their potential. I mean, when you think about that, Brenda, when you were a young child... Did you ever imagine yourself doing that? Is that what you dreamed of? Yes. I, when I was in second grade, I had Miss Milner as um, a teacher, and I, at that point, decided I wanted to be just like her. And then a few years later, I started listening to Gloria Gaither speak, and she did a lot of reading and, and speaking, and then I thought, I want to speak. I want to get out there and proclaim my message to everyone. So you were drawn to these very strong women who were well-defined yes. and who had influence And help speak into other people's lives. Right. And voila, Mm -hmm. here you are pursuing a life course that does have straight lines right back to your Mm -hmm. childhood. Mm -hmm. But as we've been talking about all that, we're talking about a vocation. And it's more than just a job. When we talk about what do I want to be, sometimes we really mean who do I want to be? Right. Who is about my character. It's about my identity. It's about the kind of person I am which is sometimes differentiated from what I actually do, although they're often united. That's actually been a conversation that I've been having with myself um, actually for a couple of years. And um, to be able to define who I am has really come out of a spiritual journey, learning I'm a child of God, I am a daughter of the King, and probably most importantly that I am loved, and cared for, and protected always. 
and that you have intrinsic worth that makes all of those things in play. Mm-hmm. You are loved and protected and cared for. You're a daughter of the king, God himself, a child of God. I mean, that you're part of that family and that that is not consequent to your job. Mm-mm. It's about how you were made and formed by God himself. That whole concept of who we are, differentiated from what we do, is so important to our finding, well, a sense of wholeness and completeness in life, I think. I think all of us are on a journey through life, wrestling with those dynamics. And even as you've referenced Gloria Gaither and and, and Miss Milner, your second grade teacher, I mean, all of us, I think, if we look back in our lives, have people that have stood out. Maybe they were someone on a stage far away, maybe even someone in film or maybe in sports or something that we looked at and thought, man, someday I want to grow up and be like that. Or maybe it's someone up close that was our school teacher or our grandparent or our aunt down the street or whatever, where someone that we knew personally up close, but we admired them and we wanted to be like them. I mean, all of that speaks into our formation. But if you just stepped back from the whole stage of history, if you just looked at anyone that's ever lived and everything you know about the whole of the human drama from the dawn of recorded history till now. Mm-hmm. If you could identify one person who seemed to get it right, who seemed to have influence and yet knew wholly who they were, who rode the wave of ups and downs, who had some tough stuff but always landed on his feet. I mean, the person who seemed to get life better, more completely, and more holistically than anybody who's ever lived, I would have to say Jesus. No matter, Jim, I'm going to agree with you on this thank one. Thank you, thank you. No matter who you are, no matter what you think about Jesus, maybe you're not spiritually framed, or maybe you think Muhammad was the prophet, or, I mean, you've got a hundred other ideas or avenues of your own spiritual development. If you just looked at history, Jesus is, is right there at the top of the mountain when it comes to people who have, have lived and lived well. And that then makes me wonder, who do I want to be? Well, I'm not going to be the savior of the world as Jesus claimed to be. I'm not going to be the son of God, divinely born of a virgin in the way that Jesus' story is told. But are there things about Jesus that I can actually appropriate and become like? Could my life be framed? Can I find hope and wholeness in life by becoming like Jesus? At some level, can I be like Jesus or, or maybe say, Jesus be? Jesus be. I think I've seen that around here somewhere. <laughs> That's right. Because I think I had to purchase something that says well, now, wait a Jesus be. Thanks for buying that book, but we're willing to give you one. And uh, there is a book called Jesus be that I actually have written myself. And that is... You are the author of this book I purchased. Go. There it is. And we want you to know, listening today, if you'd like a copy, we'd be glad to get one in your hand too. And write down this number. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, toll free. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, and we'd be so glad to hear from you and make sure that you get a copy of this book, Jesus Be. But this program is not really a promo for the book. It's just that we're walking through some of those ideas. Is it possible that we could be like Jesus? Yes. Does the Bible tell us that we are to follow Jesus, and what does that mean, to be like him? Yes. Can we even have our minds renewed like Christ? Yes.
If I wanted to be like Jesus, I'd have to look at his life and study it. And I think one of the greatest things that any of us can do to find life for ourselves, to find some definition for ourselves, and and to help experience this rough-and-tumble journey that is life in this world these days in a whole and life-giving way, one of the greatest things we could do is just read about Jesus. Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mm -hmm. and, and see how he is disclosed there. And as you do that, you're going to find some things that kind of jump off the page and think, you know, I could do that. I can experience life like he did at many levels. I was thinking about in the classroom, and especially when I'm now working with superintendents, that when we want to do something or we want to be like someone, it oftentimes takes practice. 
And so I think many times about three steps forward and two steps backward, but again, the grace that Jesus always gives is the encouragement to keep taking those three steps forward. So the practice of Jesus be is going to be important as we continue to unpack this chapter, remembering that three steps forward, sometimes two steps backwards, we're going to be... Jesus. You don't always conquer the lesson in one day and no. then find it for a lifetime. Right. It's a journey. And one of the things that strikes me reading about Jesus is that if I'm going to be like him, I'm going to have to get ready for a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I think of Jesus as, oh, here's a guy that everybody loved at certain seasons of his life. He's very popular. He has friends. He has really close relationships. Kids like to flock around. He's got these buddies that travel around. He's got some women who are funding the journey. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of details we get that we think, yeah, I'm liking that. There's a part of Jesus' life, though, that I don't really want to be like. I'm not so crazy about that whole cross thing, you know, the being murdered without cause thing, the being rejected by my friends, thing being abandoned by yeah. my friends, T- taking the criticism, the ongoing criticism. Absolutely, of who he is. Always the tension. I mean, tension. when mm-hmm. you really look at it, what's so remarkable is that Jesus lives in a life that's full and free, but it's not easy. And if I want to be like Jesus, I'm going to have to get this: there are going to be people who praise me, and there'll be some who condemn me, and sometimes it'll be the same people doing both. both. And whoa. Can I really survive that? Then I kind of backtrack and think, well, you know, maybe I'll just not follow Jesus and I won't, I'll be spared that. But the truth is, honestly, everybody experiences that in some way. The thing about trying to be like Jesus is you're going to experience it like everyone will, except your experience will bring you to a place of wholeness and you can still be content where without Jesus, if you're not trying to be like Jesus, life can be really a mess up. So... Just to get into this part of Jesus' mm-hmm. experience, let's look at Matthew's gospel. Now, I see that you've got uh, your book open there. I do. Uh, Brenda, this is Matthew chapter 21, beginning with verse 8. What does it say? Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And the crowd replied, It is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And what you've just read, Brenda, is a description of that original Palm Sunday. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. It's the center of culture, economic and political and spiritual life for the Jewish nation. And he's coming on a big holiday time, and the people are all revved up. And, well, you just described it in the narrative from Matthew's gospel. It was a huge, exciting adventure, and Jesus is the center of attention. Everybody's for him. That's how it feels, not how it seems. He's in the middle of the crowd, and people are just crying out. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, Jesus is getting a lot of positive vibes. But in the same book, Matthew's gospel, just days later, this is what we read in Matthew chapter 27. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? And the crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate, the governor, responded, then what should I do with Jesus, who was called the Messiah? And they shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. In the same week, the crowd 
turns on Jesus, and he's arrested, and now he's on trial. And now those people who once cried out Hosanna, which just literally means save us, we have confidence that you can do us a, a favor, that same crowd is going to say, just kill him, just get him out of the way. How is it? I mean, how can people move from A to Z so quickly? And it sounds so extreme, and sometimes people might read the story in the Bible and think, well, that's, that's got to be made up, but it's not. Because we all know in life that happens. We've seen it in other historic contexts. I have to always frame this, um, even in my own life and in, in just circumstances that I have to remember, it goes back to the fall. And because we're all human and because there is an enemy, it, we're going to see this teeter-totter, you know, ping-pong back and forth. And it's always when evil comes in, Satan's mischief and I guess that's where what's so amazing about uh, Jesus is that he just stayed the same always. And, oh, if we could stay the same. The crowd was volatile. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Well, what's to like about Jesus? Why did they like him in the first place? Well, I mean, there's lots to like. The crowd is the key here, and Jesus is going to ride the wave of this crowd's emotions. Mm-hmm. And we also, if we want to be like Jesus, we're going to have to ride the wave of the emotions of people around us. It may not be a crowd, but it could be your brother-in-law or your family or your friends or your working partners or whatever. There's always going to be a roller coaster. That's life. Why did they like Jesus? Well, I mean, he was a great teacher. And the scripture tells us he was spellbinding. Right. I mean, he had this gift. When he talked, man, the scripture says people just thought to themselves, we've never heard anyone teach like this. And they liked it. He was also great friends and actually the cousin of John the Baptist, who was a ver- another very popular and outstanding figure who had had some rough road and ultimately was beheaded in prison by the Roman puppet king of the time. And the people loved John the Baptist, and Jesus was connected to that. And so in a way, they loved Jesus for who he was and also for some of the friends that he had and, and for the way in which he was not cowed by Herod, who had beheaded John the Baptist. Jesus wasn't stopped in his tracks by that, and people loved him for the way in which he was just bold, and he was courageous, and he never betrayed or ran away from the fact that John the Baptist was one of the greatest men that ever lived. In fact, Jesus said nobody has been greater than he. The fact that he was not politically in favor or that the powers that be didn't like him didn't change Jesus' view. He was constant, and people loved him. Jesus for that, I think. I think that's just understood when it comes to someone being rock solid and not wishy-washy and, and just stable and they're always in their thinking and their wisdom. And that's probably a comfort because we know in our, in our own lives, we don't always have it together, but he did. And he was unwavering, unwavering. in his commitment mm-hmm. to those he loved. The people really liked Jesus too because he was a wonder worker. I mean, not only did he speak <laughs> hope... He actually brought hope into the room. So what's not to like? Why, why, did they, why did they turn on him? And there's all kinds of reasons, I suppose, but there are two things that jump out at me. One is there were people who were threatened by Jesus, and they didn't mm. like the popularity and the power he was beginning to wield. They were jealous, maybe, of yeah. the attention he received. We can't know all their hearts, but we know this. The leaders, and there were some people in the establishment who did not like him, and they, through a kind of whisper campaign, began to undermine him. It wasn't like a public pronouncement, but it was 
talking in genteel tones and cautioning people, don't run after this guy, don't do that, don't do this, got to think about that. Is he really what he says he is? Planting seeds of doubt and so on. That whole way in which people will, around the sidelines, undermine someone else, that is, as you've already referred to, that's a a symptom of the fall, the, the sinful nature that is in this creation. And that really took some of the wind out of Jesus' sail. As he came in on Palm Sunday, there was in the crowd and there were in places of power people who were saying, well, wait a minute, mm-hmm. there's another storyline here that we're going to tell. Sounds like it's going to be a little political swing there now. Where are you going to go with that? <laughs> well, and you know what? <laughs> Politics isn't just about elections for government officers. Politics is human relationships and how people appear on the chessboard and how I make a move calculated to help preempt someone else's move. That's a part of this fallen world too. And that's just a part of it. And even if you are doing the best you know how and you're doing good and actually making a difference for the right, you can be absolutely certain there'll be someone who's in the shadows talking against Mm -hmm. it. That's just life. And Jesus understood it. The second thing is, I think Jesus himself is part of the reason the crowd turned on him. Well, what do I mean? He did not meet their expectations. And this crowd welcomed him to town, and they expected him to change the political scene. They expected him to deliver them from a Roman oppression. There was an occupying force from another country. And in their mind, this guy is going to turn that around and make some changes in the political and military and economic order of where they lived, and they want it done now. I think you just hit it, though, when you said it was what they wanted. It was their expectation. It was their expectation. It was not something they wanted. He didn't promise them that. And he didn't say, I'm doing this. They projected that on him. And then when he didn't meet those expectations, they were angry. Boy, is that life. (laughs) Sounds like the five-year-old temper tantrum to me. Well, and it sounds like a lot of relationships I've had. And sadly, I've been someone often who expected something out of someone else, and they didn't meet my expectation. Then I thought they were messed up when actually it was me who didn't properly measure my expectations expectations or or talk to them about what I was hoping they would do or whatever. And because they failed to do what I wanted them to do, even though they never even knew what I wanted them to do, (laughs) then then I blamed them. And I mean, that is, that's just life. And Jesus experienced that to the max. The stuff of communication, people don't know. Oftentimes it is the result of the lack of communication and not understanding people's expectations. So I think about Jesus, who was the master communicator, and he knew who he was, and the people thought they knew who he was or thought they wanted something different. And so herein lies the... The tension. The tension, the creative tension between what is and what's wanted. Mm -hmm. So what can I learn to be like Jesus? In a world where Mm. people will praise me and they will condemn me, and sometimes it's the same person, (laughs) how do I be like Jesus? I think I have to learn how to accept praise. That might sound odd, but it's not always easy to accept praise. And when someone says, you did that well, or um, no one can do that like you can, and so on, we have a tendency sometimes to try and just dismiss that or backroll it, when sometimes we simply need to say, thank you. Jesus was wholly authentic, and when they cried out and said, Hosanna, son of David, save us, I mean, that's pretty extravagant praise, and people criticized Jesus for, for receiving it. They said, don't take that. Tell those people to sh- shut up. They shouldn't be saying that. And Jesus said, you know, if they don't say it, the rocks are going to say it. <laughs> because because the, rocks will cry the, the, truth, the truth is there. And 
all of us can do some things well, and when someone says you did that well, sometimes the honest thing to do is just simply to say thank you. Yes, and know that um, it was through him That's right. and through, through God's goodness that... It's the Lord's doing. I always I hear you say that all the time. It's the Lord's doing. Well, it's that's right. Thank you. It's the Lord's doing. If yes. there was some good in that, then the Lord yes. was in it. Thanks for acknowledging that. But to for ourselves to just feel comfortable, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I was in the center of that story, and some good came out of it, and I can give God the praise and at the same time say thank you. Mm-hmm. Jesus did that really well. Also, I have to learn how to take criticism if I want to be like Jesus. And boy, take criticism oh. graciously like Jesus did is a tough, tough road. One thing in this particular instance of his life when he's having the most intense criticism ever, crucify him. I mean, imagine a crowd saying, we want you dead. I mean, think about that. Jesus is quiet. He doesn't make a case. He's not trying to play ping pong point by point. He simply knows that the truth will prevail, that his own persona is strong and secure, and in the end... It's all going to be displayed for what it is. He doesn't have to wave the flag. And that's an important lesson for all of us. You know, um, Jesus coped with the rejection of others in a way because he knew exactly who he was. And folks, if we want to be like Jesus, we're going to have to learn how to say thank you. And we have to learn how to be quiet when we are under the microscope. And God will see us through. We don't know where you are in life today. Uh, We're not sure what your journey is, and you may be on a mountaintop or in a deep, deep valley. But wherever you are today, know this, you'll be at the other part of the road sometime. (laughs) If you're on the mountain today, you'll get to a valley, and if you're in a valley today, you'll get Mm -hmm. to a mountain. That's life for all of us. Now the question is, how do we cope and find wholeness and happiness and, and fulfillment in a world like this? Be like Jesus. You can take a step that way with us right now by joining us in prayer. Our Father, we're so thankful today for your word, and we thank you for Jesus who came into this world to show us who you are and how we can live. We thank you, Lord, for the scripture, which helps us understand how he walked through this life, and Lord, we pray that we will follow him, our footsteps right behind in his. For everyone listening today, Lord, who's wrestling with praise or condemnation, who's wondering how to negotiate their way through a tough place. We pray, Lord, that they'll see Jesus and long to be like him. And to be like him, Lord, we surrender our lives to you. Forgive us of our sin. Breathe new life into us and show us the way. Make us your children. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more about how you can be like Jesus, well, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week, we're by the phone, and we want to hear from you. You can also check us out online, CBH Viewpoint. That's Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. Read about the ministry there, send us an email, we will reply. Or at the last, if you prefer, just send me a letter by post. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint. Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana 46018, USA. But by whatever method you choose, let us hear from you. Brenda Wilson, thanks so much for bringing to the conversation life today. So glad you're here. Thank you, Jim. Good to be here. And we thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll be with us again next week as we bring you one more installment in this series called Jesus Be. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, 
For all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.